Hello, everybody, and welcome. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about screenwriting, my creative process, where it began, and how it has evolved over the years. Uh, and this subject actually comes from Twitter. Uh, I I have been following a lot of sort of screenwriters who have been trying to get into various competitions, trying to get their work seen, and monitoring some of the questions that they keep posing to other screenwriters on Twitter. And one of the one of the recurring um, questions people seem to have for established screenwriters is is there is there cheaper or free software that they can use uh, you know that is that would still get them the format that professionals use and I'm going to talk about that I'm also going to talk about uh, the, the creative process beyond just the technical oh what do the professionals use you know because uh, I'm, I'm sure that there's a million podcasts and vlogs and blogs out there uh, breaking down all of that specific stuff uh, but with the creative approach I know that that it's unique to me and I want to talk about that and I really want that to to be the the root of this whole podcast because uh, I'm really in love with my process and uh, how it's been going. It's made me very productive, and that's the key here, to stay productive and to continuously be putting out work. So I, I basically started screenwriting in high school in 1998, 98, 99. Uh, it was my, my junior year, and um, I had started making independent films, and I was really into, from the get-go, I was into sort of doing it as professionally as possible. Uh, and so I went to my high school library and I found a book about screenwriting. They had one book that explained exactly, you know, what the format looks like. And I used that book. Uh, I took it out for a week, photocopied the most important pages, <laughs> returned the book, and that was my guide and that's the guide I still use, honestly, even though I'm using software that builds that format for me. Everything up here is from that book that I checked out from my high school library. And uh, it served me well when I was in film school, and it served me well as an independent filmmaker. Because you'd be surprised how many independent filmmakers are just, like, writing their stuff up, either like a stage play or like a short story or maybe they're attempting a professional uh, screenplay layout, but they're not really achieving it for one reason or another, and we can talk about that. But, yeah, man, I, I, I had it from the get-go, and uh, it was the best decision I made was trying to get that right as quickly as possible. So what happened, though, was... I, I started doing it in a t on a typewriter initially. Uh, it was like an, a brother typewriter where you can either write it like a regular typewriter or you can write it onto this little screen and then print it later. And so my, my first screenplays were written on that little thing. And then uh, at some point, uh, my household got access to Windows and I started using Microsoft Word. 
And I actually didn't get my hands onto a professional screenwriting program until I went off to film school. I went to film school in Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, I, I won't name drop it because I, uh, I'm not fond of my experiences there, so I don't want to promote it. But uh, they had a program there called Scriptware. And I ended up getting uh, a, a version of it for myself from the school. Uh, somebody in the equipment room just gave me three discs and they said, hey, here's Scriptware, you can have it. And I took it home with me, and, and so for the, most of the early 2000s, I was using scriptware. Uh, you know, this is back when you, you either bought software on a CD or you bought them on f floppy disks. And my version came on three different floppy disks. And you would install it by inserting it into the computer, hitting the activate program, and then it would tell you when to put in the next disk. Then it would take the data off the second disk. Then it'd say, now put in the third disk, and then it would take the data off the third disk, and then it was installed, and it took like a half hour. <laughs> um, and then, after the early 2000s, I don't remember at which point I shifted, but I eventually found my way to Celtics. Uh, probably shortly after it became popular, or maybe even shortly after it was founded, I honestly don't know. Uh, but I do know that for... There was, but at the latter half, of, I don't know if it was the latter half of the 2000s or the early to mid 2010s, um, but at some point, I remember moving all of my most important scriptware projects to Celtics. I just, I don't, I'm a little foggy on when that happened. And then for a long time, the Celtics original desktop for Windows, that program was my main one. And then that kind of went obsolete to me uh, around the time they um, started really hardcore promoting their, their cloud service uh, and putting less into their desktop program. Uh, and we can get into sort of my personal politics about uh, subscription-based software and cloud-based software uh, at some other point when it's more relevant, maybe when I'm talking about editing <laughs> Uh, or, or, or something, but uh, the I tried a bunch of free stuff after I got tired of Celtics, including Scrivener. When I was in my MFA program, my MFA was in creative writing. I took it not too long ago, actually. I took it late in life. I took I took it a couple of years ago at this point. Um, I was introduced to to a software called Scrivener, which it gives you the screenplay layout, but it also gives you the layout for like a comic book script, a stage script. If you want to write a novel, you can write a novel in it. Like it's an all around like writer's friendly uh, piece of software, but it wasn't ideal for me. Um, for that, it's, I, I actually held on to it because it's ideal for, for other types of projects, like big writing projects. If you have sort of a multi-novel series or I'm actually also using it to map out graphic novels, but uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't even write a short film on their screenplay uh, setup because it just wasn't vibing. And so, um, actually, in the in, in the first term of my MFA, I uh, ended up buying Final Draft. I ended up springing for it on a Cyber Monday, so I got I got like a student discount on top of the Cyber Monday discount. 
and I just sprang for a final draft and man it was the best decision I ever made I know people want free or uh, cheap software but if you're really serious about it and you really don't want to think about it once you've acquired it whatever it takes spring for it uh, it's not that bad it's a one-time purchase it's not like you're subscribing annually uh, so you own you own what you buy uh, and it's for one computer so you know if you're buying a new computer maybe invest in that piece of software for it and that way you have it for the whole uh, time you have that computer and um, so I, I actually spent the past couple of weeks uh, using all of my free time to transfer all of my unfinished scripts from Celtics to uh, Final Draft. So I'm now a Final Draft uh, guy. I'm, I, everything is Final Draft platform. <laughs> and uh, so that's, that's, that's as far as I'm going to go with the technical. Um, Keep in mind, I don't actually, I don't literally write in there. I, I actually handwrite and hand draft everything, and then I transfer it over, and then all of my future editing is done, for the most part, digitally. But that's also not entirely true. Um, I'm going to actually show you this document here, and if you're listening on audio, what I am what I'm holding here is a three-ring binder, and in this binder hat there's a 118 page screenplay that I wrote last spring. This was the first of several projects that I started during the pandemic. And it's basically the first typed up workup of this, this screenplay that I've been wanting to write for a long time. And in it are all of these handwritten notes that's been taped to the opposite pages along with scribbles and edits and highlights, basically telling me what I have to do when I open the project file back up. And, and so that ba basically, once I integrate all of these scribbles, all of these notes, all of these highlighted uh, sentences, uh, once all of those, those edits are integrated into the digital version of the document, I will actually have a nearly completed screenplay almost ready for submission to a contest or to be pitched or submitting to a producer, what have you. Uh, and, but this is what a lot of my edits will look like after the first draft. They'll be very much, uh, there'll, there'll be a printed document from a typed up script, but the edits themselves will be very hand done. I, I, love, the, I love the tactile feeling of working with my manuscript, of working with the piece of art that I am literally creating with my bare hands. And there's just something about that. There's something that stimulates my brain in a way where I'm able to actually think about the content uh, in terms of depth much more than if I was just trying to move everything around digitally. Because there's something about looking at a screen. There's something about looking at a screen that deactivates the creative part of the brain. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the light. Maybe it's the flicker, the, the, the subtle flicker that you don't really see, but you know it's there. Excuse me. Uh, and so the process has become hand draft uh, the screenplay. 
which is usually it's not usually as long as what the screenplay will be there's a lot of placeholders there's a lot of just outlining of scenes there's a lot of key dialogue but it, it's basically saying okay we're gonna go from a to b to z and then we're gonna go here and then we're gonna go to d to e to f and then we're gonna skip over to h and then we're gonna go skip over to j then maybe we'll come back to flashback to e and you know and it's it's really mapping out this thing and usually my, my handwritten drafts are about, I want to say a third of what the final will be. So I know that the hand, handwritten draft of this screenplay right here um, is an exception, as is, uh, I don't know if you can see it here, behind me is a huge thick binder that says, a huge thick binder that says Vacation Land. And Vacation Land is a huge script because it's been over 20 years in development. So I have notebooks and notebooks and notebooks of hand-drafted scenes, hand-drafted notes, ideas, and, and all that last spring got put into one sort of stable, continuous screenplay, and that's what's in that binder there. And, but th there are exceptions because I've been thinking about them much longer. Um, right now I'm also writing an action movie that's sort of about the criminal justice system and the financial sector and the debt collection set, uh, sector. That's been in a progress for a long time too, but I've only stuck to one notebook because I, I'm kind of being more exacting and precise with what I choose to use or not use in terms of, of the details of that particular story. So, Everyone's everyone's different. Uh, uh, generally, though, um, my screenplays, if they're 118 pages, the first handwritten draft will only be about 30. Then as I type it up, I start filling in with, with more detailed dialogue. I start peppering in sort of the character aspects of it a little bit more, the stuff that I did initially developed. Uh, any placeholder locations will be start to be specified. But even then, like with this 118-page screenplay, uh, the, there's still placeholders, and there's going to be placeholders uh, no matter what because it just meant that I wasn't ready to make a decision on certain aspects of it, and that's okay. It's still a long document, and it's still a document that I had to flush out, but I wasn't going to do it then. It, that wasn't going to get done until yesterday, actually when I was finally able to get to sort of breaking it down and really reading it as one full story. And, and that's, a, that's an important part of the process. You have to be able to read this thing in full if you're going to make any final decisions on it. It doesn't make sense to make a final decision on something you haven't read, right? It might, might sound good in your head and it might vibe in your head, but you might find that it do actually doesn't work. Uh, and, I, and again, this... The reason I'm doing this podcast now is because I have this, this beautiful example here. The whole last third of it, as it turns out, I don't need. Yeah. I wrote this 118-page screenplay. Guess what? It's going to end up being 90 pages because I overwrote it in the first workup. Uh, and that's uh, that's that's kind of nice. I, I actually... Uh, <laughs> I decided I'm going to make another screenplay out of that other third. So there'll be, I don't know if it'll be a sequel or if it'll just be like a film that's related to this one, but um, maybe like a, a part of an anthology. 
but uh, yeah, uh, I but I didn't know it didn't work until I read it all through at once. Until I was really until I had my hands on it and I was just like flipping through the pages, going through it, and so and you won't know. At least I won't. Um, maybe your process is different. I'd love to know about your process, actually. So reach out to me. Let me know about your process. Let me know what works best for you at this point. How has your process evolved? Because my process wasn't always like this. I used to just write it up, call it a day. First draft got filmed. Um, because I didn't know what I was looking for when I was doing these. I was still experimenting much more than I am now uh, with sort of how to make movies, how to stick to a script. When I started, I had the, the hardest time sticking to a script. I didn't know how to do it. I'm like, oh, I got the script, but I'd rather go shoot this. <laughs> That's literally how a lot of my movies were made up until 2002. My first movie I made where I actually stuck to a script was Hero for a Day, which I just got done restoring uh, not too long ago. And I'll probably do a podcast on that at some point because the 20th anniversary is coming up and I actually I've been I don't know if you can see behind me but there's a binder for hero for a day too and so I'm, I'm tr I've been trying to put put a production together for that but uh, we'll see if that actually happens uh, anyway that's a little bit about my process it, it's very hands-on it's very much me being in the material holding the material ripping apart the material taping it back together in a different order and uh, then eventually transferring all of what I've learned, all of the decisions that I've made to a final digital document that I would then submit to places uh, to be either pitched or to be in a contest or what have you. And uh, that's that. Uh, I know this is very short. It's very brief. Only 18 minutes so far. But uh, I don't think we need a long podcast. Uh, I'm going to try to taper them back, actually, in terms of time. Next time, maybe we can talk about uh, editing. Because I'm currently in the middle of editing my feature film, Fractals. If you haven't seen the teaser trailer yet, it's on my YouTube channel. Just look for Eric Norcross Fractals in, in the YouTube search, and it'll come up. Feel free to give me a thumbs up, leave a comment, and also uh, visit my Patreon become a patron of the arts a patron of the podcast and uh, I guess that's that uh, and if you're listening on anchor too uh, there's a way there's ways to become a patron of the podcast through anchor uh, thank you and I will see you guys next week thanks